0: When I started making money, that chocolate cake was flowing. You know, (laughs) every (laughs) night. Every night I was eating chocolate cake. I was living the life.
1: Oh, So pure. Oh, hi! didn't know the camera was there. I did. What's up, everybody? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another episode of Half Forgotten History, Season 5. We're partnering with my good friends at Mercedes-Benz to talk to these great athletes, have great conversations, and tell the stories of the things that they had to overcome to achieve their dreams. Look, thanks to my friends at Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans, I have found the perfect way to get to the golf course, tailgate, or just get the whole family out of the house. Look, whatever your dreams are, Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans can help bring them to life. This week's guest would have loved how I just roasted that eight iron off a parking lot. Two-time master champion Bubba Watson. His story, much like his golf swing, a little unconventional, enjoy. All right, let's, let's start here. Like As an amateur golfer, all I want to do is try and hit the ball straight. You never want to hit the ball straight.
0: Yes, because uh, it's, it's so hard, right? We're all trying to figure it out. So why would I uh, do the difficult thing? You know, it's easy to move it from left to right. Now, the guess is how much, but, but that's, I feel like that's easier than hitting a dead straight. It's like a dead straight putt. That's the hardest putt in the world.
1: Well, it's easier for you. Like, I, I, like, yeah, I can move the ball. I just it, does, it doesn't go where I want it to go. That's the biggest problem.
0: Right. Well, that's all of us. I mean, Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus, yeah. they're exceptions to the rules. But everybody else, we're begging for it to go in.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, your career has always fascinated me because you're a guy that never had a lesson, right? And you just – how did you sort of become involved in the game of golf? Like what was the impetus for you? Uh, my mom, my mom said that the only way
0: my dad could go play on the weekends with his buddies, his work buddies was to, um, take his son. And my dad said, no, I want a baseball player. I don't want a golfer, but my mom was obviously the boss. Um, so, (laughs) so, um, and so my, my mom won. And so, but you know, again, it goes back to these stories where there was a left-handed golf pro in the eighties, left-handed golfers were very, very few. Um, Bob Charles was about the only one we knew of, right. And so, right. And so this guy was left-handed, Hiram cook. Um, he gave me an old nine iron, my dad cut it down. So for the first year of my golfing career, um, I had a nine iron and, and I hit plastic golf balls around the yard. And here we are
1: today talking to you about golf. That's crazy. Well, yeah, I had a couple of master's wins as well. We'll (laughs) get into all of that. But like, when did you think, okay, I could probably be pretty good at this. Like, was it something that came to you naturally pretty easily? Yes, it did. Um,
0: At eight years old, I played my first golf tournament, uh, won all the tournaments around the local area, Pensacola, Florida. Um, And then at age 13, at Tanglewood uh, Golf and Country Club in Milton, Florida, I shot 62 in a tournament. And from that day on, I quit. I was wearing knickers. Payne Stewart was my idol. That's who I wanted to be like, because I recognized him. He was easy to recognize because he was different. And so I quit wearing knickers that day. Um, My grandma was making them for me. She always put a a Disney character on the, on the one knee, the uh, right knee. And, and so for me, that's when I'd said, okay, now Bubba is Bubba and we're going to be a golfer. And my dad despised that. He didn't want me to play golf. Uh, <laughs> he liked it in the future, but as of that moment,
1: he really wanted me to keep playing baseball. Well, it's interesting you say that because I'm glad you brought up Payne because he was one of my favorite golfers of all time. And I'll tell you a quick story about pain. Uh, I, I went to college in the 80s, and uh, there was a very sort of infamous thing with with Payne at the 85 Byron Nelson. I think he had a three-stroke lead uh, on the final hole over a guy named Bobby Eastwood, and he somehow made a seven to lose the hole and lose the tournament. And it was just it was the it was like oh this guy's never going to win he's never going to figure it out it's all about flash with him and all that kind of stuff and I always loved how in his career he overcame that and a bunch of other stuff and went on to be a superstar and won two U.S. Opens and three majors like I, I it's cool that you like Payne because I always loved Payne I thought he was one of the coolest guys I had ever followed on tour
0: one hundred percent and so for me when I caught on to Payne's career and realized who Payne was it was probably late eighties um, and so for me. You know, there was the stories of his past where he was angry, he was this, he was right. that. We all have those those stories, but but he was that. And I yeah. never knew him as that character or that person. Always knew him, pain that we know and love today, right? And we love somebody for their flaws and for their positivity. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I remember um, watching him. Gosh, what was that, Olympic? Um, the putt went all the way down the hill. And I mean, they were having all this stuff on 18. And that's where I, that's my vision of yeah. pain is when that starts coming in. And then obviously... Cutting the sleeves off his jacket and and making that putt, and I remember him holding his wife saying, "I kept my head down." I mean, that's that's my vision of pain. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. The Olympic Club U.S. Open was crazy. I remember he was just steaming. I I think at that same uh, at, at that same U.S. Open, uh, Kirk Triplett. Uh, just hit the ball. While he was moving he was like this is ridiculous. I'm out of here. It's yeah. like he, he did not care at that point. Yeah. Uh, and that's when the USGA was was really like trying to make that course as difficult as possible. But this is not about Payne Stewart. This is about Bubba Watson. So uh, it is kind of funny. You mentioned Tanglewood in Milton, Florida. Uh, Tanglewood sort of in between uh, the country club is sort of in between Milton and Baghdad. Who would have thought from the Tanglewood Country Club, you Boo Weekly and, and Heath Slocum all would find your way over the PJ tour and, and win multiple events.
0: Yeah, it's it's those were so before Payne, Boo Weekly and Heath Slocum were my idols. That's who I wanted to be like, yeah. you know, and there wasn't really the all this 24-hour news and ESPN and all these sports centers and different things at that moment. So my idols were looking at these two guys. They were in co- they were in high school, they're about to go to college, and I was this uh, young kid, 12, 13 years old, and I wanted to be like them. They were winning all the high school tournaments, they were doing all these great things in golf just locally. And then, um, yeah, for us to be there, Joe Durant, Jerry Pate, I wow. mean, we could sit here and name people left and right who are from this area. And, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing to think about, you know, all of us just touched Tanglewood at some point and, uh, in our careers and our lives. And, uh, to think about all the champions that come from just Pensacola alone, it's
1: pretty remarkable. Joe Durant. There's a name I hadn't heard in a while. <laughs> uh, that, I, I'd forgotten he was from, he was from there as well. So, okay. You go on, you go and play in college. When, when, Was there a moment when you said to yourself, okay, if I play in college, I might be able to make a living out of this? Well, golf is is a unique sport. Uh, You can turn pro. Anybody can turn pro,
0: right? We can play mini tour golf where you just put up your money. And so I always knew I was going to try it. It didn't matter what people said about me or what people thought. I was going to try it. And then when I got to Georgia, it was a different competition. I started grinding and started practicing more. Like I talked about in the book, I didn't play my uh, senior year. I played one event my senior year um, at Georgia. And I just grinded. I wanted to prove to myself, I wanted to prove to the people around me that I could beat these guys and I could play. And, and so really, the dream had never left me, even though I didn't play my senior year, the dream never left me. It was, it was always going to be a pro golfer, uh, no matter what. And I, I basically, I willed myself to, to make it. And, um, and again, it was, it was some ups and downs on the road there. But, um, yeah. but yeah, two masters, you know, here we are again.
1: Yeah, Bubba Watson with us on this episode of Half Forgotten History. When we'll get into the book and talk about that uh, in just a little bit. But those up and downs, which is name of the book, by the way, and, and life on tour. People see you now, right? They see you as, like you said, oh, it's Bubba Watson. You know, he has the, the the huge arc on the swing. He's got the two masters. They don't see what it took to get you there, and and that's what I love about what we're doing here. Like tell people, explain to people, it, it just doesn't happen. Like. It, there's, there's a bunch of crap that you had to go through to find yourself in the position you are today.
0: Right. I mean, the struggles is what pushes me. Um, The struggles is what makes me gain. And the struggles are are what I learn from winning. You don't really learn from winning. You think you're invincible. You think you're, you're above everything and you think um, it's just going to come to you. Um, And so I don't really win. I don't really, by winning, I don't learn. And so when I think about not playing my senior year, my parents, my parents wanted me to quit school and turn pro and When I think about that, I wouldn't have met my wife, Angie, of 17 years, married now. I I wouldn't have went through the struggles that made me practice chipping and putting. So there's a lot of things that went through my life. My parents uh, putting debt on the credit card. My parents refinancing the house. My parents doing all these things to go in debt so Bubba Watson could be Bubba Watson. And so when I think about that, there was a lot of struggles, a lot of challenges. uh, But behind the closed doors is where my parents kept it. They didn't really show it to me. They didn't tell me about it. Uh, but then when I turned pro and I realized how much debt they had, um, obviously I had to take care of mom and dad, but, um, but it was one of those things where you don't really think about it until it's going through it. And now as I'm older, now I can sit here and line it up and go, man, I wouldn't change it for the world because I have went through some, some tough things, but, but I made it and, um, I worked hard to do it
1: and had a lot of people around me that helped me. I've always said that people didn't help me, but there's a lot of people that helped me. Yeah. I, I hate the phrase self-made man because everybody has someone that helps them, right? And pushes them. Right. And it sounds like your parents were, were really there for you the entire way. 100%. My dad
0: taught me a lot of things. There were some negatives in there, but there was a lot of positives yeah. uh, about hard work. And my mom, my mom grew up on a farm in Tupelo, Boonville, Mississippi, just outside of Tupelo, Mississippi. And she had to grow her own food and had to get the, the well water. Um, so I mean, she had to milk the cows. I mean, she had to work. And so so, yeah, I've learned a lot of my hard work and dedication um, from them. And again, I couldn't ask for better parents. It doesn't matter how what the negatives were or the positives were.
1: They were, they were great parents, and they, they showed me nothing but love. And for people that see you now and the, who you are when you won in 2012 at Augusta and again in 2014, I remember when you came on to tour, you did not look like you look now. I mean, you, you have to be, what, 60 pounds, 70 pounds lighter than when you came on tour? Um
0: the highest weight I ever looked at was was one uh 210 so I probably I probably got 215ish I'm going to go light 215ish Yeah um but yeah so yeah it was I definitely was up there when I started making money that chocolate cake was flowing you know <laughs> every <laughs> night
1: every night I was eating chocolate cake I was living the life <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, it was, it was dramatic. Now was, was this uh, something that you just say, Hey, I need to change this. Cause some guys we've, we've seen people do crazy things, you know, either losing weight like Gary Woodland to think it's going to help his game. And obviously what Bryson has done, you know, he's gone gonzo uh, to help his game. Was it, was it a, a healthy decision for you? Or was it, was it something that was just, I, I needed this. I just wanted to do this to help my game. So, and it- I started in 06,
0: uh, but I, you know, three years on the nationwide tour. Now the Corn Ferry tour, right? And um, I was, I was having cherry cokes. Cherry cokes are my favorite all time. And oh, I, haven't I, haven't had, um, I haven't had a soda. I haven't had, I haven't had a soda. Haven't had a carbonated drink since 07. I just decided in LA, uh, Riviera. Dude. I decided on a Tuesday. I'm done. I'm not going to have any more soda. That's what I told myself, and I haven't. And my headache. I missed the cut by so much that week. I, I had a headache. The the sugar, the caffeine, all that stuff was out of my yeah. out of my system. I was struggling. Uh, somehow, I got through, and I and I've still to this day haven't had a soda. But um, yeah, I mean that was a that was a conscious effort in seventeen in two thousand seventeen when I went down. And my last time I checked my weight was one sixty two. That was the mental stuff. That was the stress, the anxieties, all the stuff in my life, not knowing right. how to deal with it, trying to hold it all in and hide it from the world um, and from my wife. And um, that's where I, I, you know, that was definitely not trying to lose that kind of weight. I was, you know, my fighting weight is around
1: 190 is where I try to be. Gotcha. Well, you're in fighting shape right now. uh, And uh, you have fought very well on the tour. Why don't we take our first break here with Bubba Watson? When we come back, we'll talk about him getting on the tour and those two breakthrough wins uh, at Augusta. Stay with us. Coming right back with Bubba Watson. Hey, whether you want to be a BMX champion or start your own business or just commit to being a van life influencer, as you should, a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van makes it real. It's got innovative safety features like Crosswind Assist and Blind Spot Assist. Plus, it's a Mercedes-Benz van, so you can expect amazing performance and reliability. It's built so you can focus on what really matters to you, your dream. Head to your local Mercedes-Benz van dealership and get that Sprinter today. All right, back with Bubba Watson now, and you came onto the tour as a bomber, you know, and that was, that was your thing. Everyone, like, Bubba hits it a mile, and he'll carve it left to right, right to left. When did you realize, okay, I could do that, but I could also be a winner on tour? Was there a moment or an event somewhere where you realized, hey, man, I, I, not only can I play, I can win? Well, you always have that, that
0: belief. You always have that belief or faith in yourself. And um, my first tournament as a pro, as a PJ Tour card member— was 2006 uh sony open in hawaii i finished fourth Um, good place to be right exactly and so i finished fourth and i I eagled the last hole the 18th hole there to to jump ahead of vj singh and i remember i mean vj was vj still vj and so for me to me to jump ahead of him i mean that was the biggest name there i think at the time in 06 and so um that's when i knew i I had the ability to play and people started putting all these things on me a couple weeks later i went bogey free in tucson Arizona uh for 72 holes I finished uh third. Uh and so, you know, there was those moments but then you start having um you know doubts, you know, because you're not winning and you want to win and then you three putt and then you hit a ball out of bounds and you just year by year it keeps going and then the breakthrough wasn't for what 5 years, 4 years later uh in 2010 when my dad was battling his cancer. Um it kind of freed me up on the golf course. I had a great year. Um and then out of nowhere, the leader leader shot a couple over And I think I shot four or five under that day on a Sunday. So, you know, that's a seven shot swing or six shot swing with him. Yeah. uh, That made me just jump up there and get in a playoff. Um, And so, again, it wasn't the belief system's always been there. But as we know, great golfers don't always win. I mean, it's, you know, it's things have to fall in line. The other golfer has to decide that he'd rather you win than him win. So there's a lot of things that went my way that day.
1: Let me just use this moment to say that our show is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans who help make dreams come true. So we're focused on finding those dream moments in the incredible careers that you guys have had. Everyone's going to be known for something. I, I think that no matter what you go on to do and no matter how many more times you win, when I say Bubba Watson, I think the the first thing most people think about is that shot on the first playoff hole on 10 uh, in the 2012 Masters against Louis Oosthuizen. That I mean, if you could sum up your career in one shot, it's that shot because you put 45 yards a draw on that wedge out of a place I had never seen before at Augusta.
0: Yes. Um, you know, again, if you're going to be known for something, you better be known for something doing something great. And so right. for me, to pull that off at the Masters, to pull it off in a playoff where everybody's watching, there's no other groups to watch, there's no other excitement going on. It's just us two. Um and Louie you know louie um kind of after i hit a bad tee shot he kind of flared his three wood and then he was in the first cut so he came up short of the green so it gave me confidence knowing that he wasn't going to birdie i mean a miracle chipping i guess we've we've seen those before but but in my head i was playing it out like he's not going to birdie he might make bogey par gets me to the next hole so i just kept playing these things out and then when i got to the shot the wind was helping my draw a little bit um i knew that it was a perfect club if i hit it hard and hit it perfect uh and so all those things went into that and then um gave me the confidence I needed, but yeah, to pull it off at that moment, at that time. Um, the iconic, you know, I'm going to say it's iconic shot. Um, it will always be there Trust me, it is. And, people, and people will always talk about it. So yes, I mean, it's to do it once is an absolute thrill of a lifetime and then somehow back it up a couple of years later. Yeah. But obviously the shot will always
1: be the shot. To me, the, the thing that I appreciate almost as much as anything is that you thought it was possible. I mean, like, you know, like the idea of where you were and you thought, okay, I can basically hook this, uh, as a lefty around everything and find a way on it. Like the thought process to me, I find interesting when you got to the ball, what was the first thing that went through your head? And when you saw your situation, I could do this, um, Teddy, Ted Scott,
0: um, he, he was my caddy and he, he knew, uh, we all knew it. It's just that moment. Can you, can you catch the ball in the right spot on the club? Can you, you know, just right. have the right swing? Can you make sure your elbow's tucked in or whatever? Well, I don't even know what you do on a swing. But, but you you know, it's just – it's coming down to yeah. I've got to hit the shot. We knew for a fact I could pull it off, but now pull it off. Pulling off with your buddies or pulling off at the Masters, that's two different animals right there, right? That's not even Correct. close to one another. Yeah. And so we knew it. Um, he knew it. I knew it. We got the numbers. Once the numbers come in and you feel the win, you see what the other player did – I mean, all those things just start building you up even more, right? It's just the confidence. If he would have knocked it to two feet, I probably would have duffed it and hit a tree. But, you know, because of where he was and the situation we were in, it just kept giving us more and more confidence as we talked about it. And then he just backed away. He said, it's all you. And he said, he said, you grab the paintbrush. That's what he always says. He goes, I just hold the paintbrushes. You just grab the one you need. No, that's
1: a great phrase. Like, see, that's the difference between you and me. I get to the ball, I look at that situation and say, like, "Well, I'm screwed." <laughs> you know, I, I'm not thinking, "I got this." You know That, that is not how uh, my mental golf game works. And the other thing I remember about that Masters is you got so emotional, you know, uh, uh, when you realized it was done. And it I've seen that before from a couple of different people because was the Masters the one thing you always wanted to win? Was that was that the one as as a kid, you know, who went to school in Georgia? Was that sort of the pinnacle for you? No, I think it's pinnacle for everybody. I don't think
0: it's just me. You know, even yeah. people that don't aren't born in the U.S., they might not tell you that, but we all want to win the Masters. I mean, the Masters is the Masters. Yeah. And But when you you dig into it more, um, you, you've you got Ricky Fowler, you've got Aaron Badley, you've got Ben Crane, you've got their family members down there. I mean, when's the last time you've heard of pros actually leaving a clubhouse and walking with the crowd? They had to walk with the crowd yeah. um, all the way down to that green. And not knowing I was going to win or not knowing if I was going to lose, they walked their whole families walked down there and they actually spent they spent some time with me afterwards up in uh, up in the members party dinner area. Um, but for them to go down there, you know, I may see them. Um, my mom down there. I just became a dad two weeks before been adopting Caleb. Um, so there was just so much that. there was just so much going on and thinking about how I'm just become a dad. But my dad's not here to witness this. I'm uh, thinking about all the hard work that my mom and dad put in to get me here. Like I talked about earlier. Um, And when you think about all these stories, a left-handed man gave me my first golf club. I'm left-handed. Golf golf wasn't even for Lefties back in the early 80s. And so there was just so many things flashing through my head. And then also there was a girl um, a week before missed a foot and a half putt to win her first major. Um, And so I remember that. And I told everybody be quiet right before I tapped in this 10-incher. Because, you know, I just I mean, there was just so many emotions going through in a, in a split second that, I, you know, it just overwhelmed me. And and I'm not ashamed to uh, cry at,
1: at a drop of a hat. <laughs> yeah, know, well, I'm with you there. Like uh, uh, the tears can flow pretty easily for me in the right moment. Give me a second. I'll get through this interview. <laughs> exactly. um, but, yeah, you know, Bubba, they always say uh, you talk to a pro and they'll say, hey, it's nice to win once on tour, but the second win. Validates it. Max Homa talked about this uh, this year when he beat uh, Tony Fina on the playoff at Riviera. And, and you alluded to it. Like it, to win a Masters once, lifetime achievement. But when you can say you're a, a multiple major winner or a two time Masters champion, that that puts a little more extra on it, right? Yeah. The satisfaction is
0: truly for myself. Um, you know, I, I did it. And then, you know, you hear the rumbles. Is it a one time thing? Is it this? Is it that? So I wanted to prove to myself again that I could do it. Um, 2013 was a low moment in golf just because I didn't know how to say no. Um, yeah. There's just so much stuff going on. There's so much media, so much sponsor stuff, fans, uh, life. I mean, just things. And so I kind of had a lull there. But then, you know, wanting to gear up again in the winter of 13, I geared up and and somehow got it again in 14 and won the Masters in 14. So, yeah, that was the moment for me um, to do it, um, to do it again. And no, it wasn't a – somewhat of a fluke. I mean, I
1: guess I could get lucky twice and I'll take it. I'll, it doesn't matter how I got it. I got them. So I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was about to say, if you, if you have two of those green jackets, I don't think it's luck. It's like that line from trading places. It's not luck, Todd. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, y- y- you, back backed that one up completely. The other, the other fun thing about you that I remember, I, I think it was 2010 Ryder cup at Medina, First tee, everybody's going crazy and, you know, they start to settle down and get quiet. And you're like, no, no, pump it up. Let's go. Like you, you fed off that energy on the first tee there. Yeah, that's kind
0: of how it went. So it was 2000, 2012. Um, it was, it was, it was Medina and, um, and we're there and we're in the locker room and we're talking about how do we get this crowd pumped up? And they were like, Hey, let's get the crowd uh, revved up. And they were like, they all looked at me. And they were like, you do the dumb videos. You're the one on social media. You're the, basically I'm the foolish one. That's the nice way of saying it. I'm the foolish one in the group. And then when Tiger Woods tells you to do something, you just do it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like this is, this is one of those moments. And I was like, okay. But I thought we were just gonna do it in the practice round. I thought like, hey, here we are. We're just gonna do it in the practice round, call it a day, everybody get excited. And they were like, hey, the next day they were like, hey, you're going first, do it again. I was like, oh gosh. And again, you can't say no. When they, and then the team's looking yeah. at you. So now I'm like, not that I'm a leader of a team, but like if I, get, if I act scared, then that might resonate with them. So I was like, no, oh, man, that's easy. But in my heart, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the scariest thing I've ever done. Yeah. And so, but I did it and it was fun. And, I, you know, earlier or later that week, Ann Poulter tried it as well. And um, yeah. after he walked off the tee playing with me. He goes, that was the scariest thing I've ever done. I said, yeah. I, I told you not to do it. I said, like, it's the dumbest thing I've ever yeah. done. But yeah, it was, a, it was a blast to be able to do that. And every Ryder Cup now, every tee shot that I hit in the first hole in the Ryder Cup, I do it every time now just because now it's like fun. It's just fun to do. Everybody gets excited yeah. about it.
1: Well, listen, the Ryder Cup, I'll tell you this right now. Like, uh, you know, I'm mostly associated with the NFL. The Ryder Cup is my favorite sporting event of all time. And it's not even close. Like, I don't know another event – where millionaires show up to play for free, essentially. I mean, that, right. that's, that to me is the, the specialness of the Ryder Cup. And you see, you mentioned Poulter. I mean, that dude, every two years, he's the best freaking player on the planet. Like, the crazy-eyed Ian Poulter is the, is the most terrifying thing I can see as an American golf fan, you know? I'm like, oh, Jesus, here he goes again, you know? He's going to steal our hearts. So how much fun was it to be a part of the team in, in, a, in a captaincy role, a vice captain, finally taking down those guys at Whistling Straits?
0: Well, first of all, it realized that I shouldn't be a player. Maybe I should be a vice captain all the time, but, um, cause we finally, we, <laughs> they finally won and I wasn't on the team, but I was there. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a dream come true. I've always dreamed of being a part of that, um, part of that side of it. Um, and, and that's when I introduced myself to Brooks Kepka. uh, me and S- Snedeker got closer. Uh, there was a few things that happened in that week that, um, that i i I will never forget um the hugs from different guys i was seventh in the world and not on the team so a lot of these guys said that they there's no chance they would be there if they were seventh in the world if not on the team and i I was like but that's it's not even about that i mean this is like you said it's the greatest sporting event right i mean this is a true event and we're doing it for a little trophy i mean that trophy is not very big it's like that big um and so that's what we're doing it for we're doing it for our country we're doing it for the the golf fans we're doing it for all the people around the world that doesn't matter who you pull for. I mean, that's what we're playing for is that little trophy and and bragging rights. I mean, bragging rights is a yeah. big deal when it comes to sports. And it's just a it's a fun time and you get to meet people and hang out with people that you normally don't get to.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's a completely different kind of pressure because as a, as a golfer, you're an individual. You're out there. I mean, you, you, you have your family and your caddy and your support team. I get it. But at the end of the day, you either win or you either lose. And, and it's about you. Well, with the Ryder Cup, It's about your teammates. I mean, it's about the country. It's about representing, you know, America. It is a different pressure. Like Colin Montgomery never won on the PGA Tour, yet he was one of the best Ryder Cup players of all time. It's just, it's a different dynamic that people don't understand.
0: One hundred percent. And then, you know, you're trying to you're trying to represent your country in a positive way. But at the same time, you want to dominate. You're trying to beat people. You're trying to not mess up, I guess the best way to say it. And then you have your teammates. Then you have your captains Then you have your vice captains. And then I mean, it just it goes on and on down the list. And yeah, it's a it's a dynamic we're not used to. And then it's like. I mean, we're, we're so used to walking away from people, but now you have a teammate. And so like, do you walk side by side? Do you walk away from them? Do you talk more strategy with them? Do you talk about life with them? How do you, how do you go through that? And I seem, it seems like Europe, Europe has it, they have it dialed in um, yeah. over the last, you know, 30 years or whatever it is, 20 years um, they have it dialed in pretty nicely. Um, you know, it was nice to get one this year. You could see the guys were, were pumped up about it and, and they got it. They started rolling the rock and, and making some putts. And so it worked out. But yeah, I mean, that's
1: the that's the goal is how do you how do you become a team in one week span? Yeah, it was it was really fun to watch. And, I you know, I almost hate to say this because I feel like I jinx it. But you yeah. look at that team and how young so many of those guys are. We could be in a pretty good spot with the Ryder cup uh, for a, for a few, uh, few more events here going forward. Why don't we take our second break now with Bubba and when we come back, we'll talk about what he's doing now, the book and some of the other things uh, that are very interesting in the life of Bubba Watson. Stay with us. We're coming right back on have forgotten history. No two dreams are the same, but there is one van equipped to handle them all for over 120 years. Mercedes Benz vans have been built upfitted and ready to go because we believe dreams should never stay that way because those who find their passion drive their passion. So you can stop following your dreams and start driving. them. All right, back with uh, Bubba Watson on half forgotten history, a two time uh, master's champion. And he's uh, written a book called up and down uh, life in and around the PGA tour. What was the inspiration for writing the book?
0: Well, first it was, it was, it was the inspiration was, I want to help people. But when I say people, I'm one of those people. And so, for me to voice it, not only voice it with my wife, not only voice it to my, my team around me, my close friends, I want to voice it with the world. And why do that? And that just helps me. I'm not hiding anything in anymore. I'm, I'm letting you know that I have issues. I'm struggling. I'm working on these things, working on these areas of my life. But there's probably somebody else out there, It uh, doesn't matter man or woman, um, that's going through the same kind of things or, or just issues in general. And I think we all are. I mean, we don't. We might not want to say it. We might want to be men and be tough, but. But deep down, we're all dealing with something, and my whole goal was to, to deal with it in a positive way um, and look for positive uh, reinforcement
1: or positive ways to to come out of this dark hole. At your low point, what was what was the thing that was just driving you the the, the craziest?
0: Um, it's it's so as I've dug into this and and, and talked to many people, uh, it's not one thing. I mean, golf three putting yeah. is one thing, right? But but right. But putting the pressure on myself to be the best golfer to be better than I, I think I am right. You know, it's so when I saw world ranking points going down when I saw, um, you know, FedEx Cup, not being high on the list when I saw um, President's Cup or Ryder Cup, because it started roughly in 15, my, where I started really going downhill, and goes all the way into 17. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, you know, it's negativities that I've learned from childhood, it's negativities that I've learned going up, um, and those kept staying with me, I kept focusing on the negatives. Um and then when you think about some of the stuff that I say, even to my own kids and into my my family and my friends, I talk about the negatives more, and so the negatives always resonate in my head. And that's that's life. That's that's golf. That's my profession. That's it. Doesn't matter where it is. It's not really golf that did it. It's a golf is a small piece that added to it. Um, and so there's yeah. a lot of areas in my life that I wasn't being who I really am or who I really wanted to be. Um, wasn't there for my wife the way I should be. Wasn't there for my kids the way I should be. And golf led some of it, uh, but with the microphone in my face, it looked like golf was the one that's really doing all of it, but it really was just a piece. Uh, so yeah, seventeen was my lowest point ever, you know, like I said, I, I checked my weight, it was one sixty
1: two thought I was dying, yeah. um, and somehow we come out of it, being able to share and talk. yeah, I remember seeing like. Like I said, I remember when you came on tour and you were you were heavier, and then you got down. I remember seeing you in twenty seventeen. Like man, he is really thin. It just it just showed how much it was eating at you, literally.
0: Yes, um, there was no. I've been to the doctor multiple times, especially in these years, uh, fifteen to seventeen, and you know the 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 heart monitor all over my body for sleeping, everything. You know, forty eight hours at a time. There was never a time I had a button. So I had a button that I pushed every time I thought I was having a heart problem and so I'd hit this button I mean I would be freaking out there'd be sometimes I just keep hitting it yeah. and um, the doctor was like nah man your heart look at your heart they showed me the button he showed me the heart and there was nothing blood work all these things but the thing that we can't we can't put a, a pinpoint on is is mental we can't we don't know what somebody's yeah. going through in their head and so really what it, like you said it was eating me alive I was eating I was doing the things but for some reason I kept losing weight. Because the stress and anxiety does so much to your body, so much to your mind, so much to your body. I mean, I was losing weight, and I remember looking at my dad in 2010. So my image of looking at me in the mirror was the same image of me seeing my dad because we have the same kind of structure. And he got down to 90 pounds. So when I saw 162, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm 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 in the same place where my dad was when he passed away. And I'm just so that even freaked me out even more. And, and that's when I fell to my knees and just said, Hey, help me, you know, take my life or or let me come out of this. That was, a, that was a dark moment when you have to go tell your wife that, that you're not the strong man that, that you're putting on to be. Um, you have to tell her the truth, that you, you're weak. Um, I'm here for you, but I'm weak. I need help. And when you have to tell your wife that, uh, tell a woman that where you think you're this manly guy, you're a two-time Masters champ, you're all these things, and really you're not. You're just, you're just a human being just like everybody else. Forget the Masters. Forget what I do for a living. I'm just a human being trying to uh, trying to navigate this tough world.
1: Yeah, and, and that had to be therapeutic to sort of put that down on paper, right? 100%. Uh, voicing
0: it, you know, now I can voice it without crying. I can voice it without fear and anxiety uh, I, because I know how freeing it is. I know that when I started talking about it, how much better I started going. Um, waking up was easier, um, gaining weight, gaining the weight back to a healthy weight. Um, just all these things. It didn't. It, it wasn't. Didn't take five minutes. It didn't take a week. I mean, it takes year. Just like a years to get to that point. Takes years to come out of it. And so putting the the, the book out there or writing the book, uh, man, we started during the pandemic, and um, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it was awesome being able to do this and sharing. I mean, we've seen other athletes, not just Bubba Watson. We've seen other athletes, other athletes that pushed me to this point to make me want to talk about it. And now we've seen more even before the book, right before the book came out at the Olympics in different areas, Uh, NFL players um, now, um, basketball players. I mean, there's a lot of people coming out. We just have the platform to help other people. And right now we just have the microphone. So
1: athletes are the ones we're talking about it right now, but there's more and more people that really need help. Yeah. One of my best friends is a guy named Marty Fish, uh, who just Mm -hmm. did a Netflix special about how it it just ate him up. And it, you know, it's funny because you're right. You, You see these guys that are like yourself, or Marty, or, or football players, or you know, basketball players that are just physically imposing people, and they have the mental acuity and the strength to do these incredible things. But that doesn't mean there isn't that internal battle inside. And I think it's pretty cool that in this day and age, we are beginning to understand that part of it. Yes, I, I think we're
0: you know we're, we're the platform. Us as athletes, we have to use our platform in the right way, and I, I believe this is the right way. Um, is to put a spotlight on it so that we learn. The the true educated people that can go and dig into the science, dig into the philosophy, dig into medical fields, they can look at this and this can help teachers. Teachers are going through so much right now. Police officers, firemen, military men and women, doctors, nurses. I mean, we can sit here all day, everybody. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. We're human beings and we just have the platform to do it. But I mean, yeah, this is social media is, is really put us in a dark spot because you don't have to put your name up. You can yeah. put a, a random name up and no address, and yeah. you can say whatever you want to about somebody, true or false. It doesn't yep. matter. You, you can hide behind
1: that computer. Yeah, Twitter muscles. Uh, I, I get them on a daily basis. I <laughs> yeah. believe me, I <laughs> yeah. understand. Yes. Uh, right, let's let's run through some fun stuff here. Um, and again, please check out the book Up and Down. It's gonna wherever you get uh, books, it's gonna be phenomenal. Uh, I I enjoyed reading it. Um, let's let's talk. First of all, will there be another Golf Boys video? That's I, the most important thing. Oh my gosh, I, that, I need another golf boys video in my life. Me too.
0: That's what got me famous. You know what I'm saying? Showing the chest there. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what we need. It's like, it's like, I need to be, it's like the Beatles. We got to bring them back. Um, and so truthfully this wraparound season, I'm going to blame it on the PGA tour, this wraparound yeah. season where we don't have time off, um, and, and now everybody wants kids, um, you know, so like Ricky's yeah. about to have a kid. And so we're just kind of in that weird transition of the PJ tour
1: needs to have a break so we can do some more videos. Brother, I'm with you 100% on that thing. The wraparound tour makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. I don't pretend to understand it. I don't want to understand it. But I do want to understand how the whole golf thing. I, it was Ben Crane's idea, right? It was, was this Ben's idea to do this? Yeah, so Ben Crane, me, Ben
0: Crane, and um, our fifth wheel, Ricky Fowler, um, yeah. we were in Tucson, Arizona, at the match play event, and um, we just started talking about music and how we can be um, uh, different. Golf is yeah. boring, as you know. You know, oh, yeah. it's the best time to take a nap is Sunday afternoon, and so <laughs> and watching it. You know, you know. I mean, we all know it. Yeah. Let's don't don't yeah. do hide it anymore, right? Let's Correct. write a book about it. But um, yeah, so it's so. We were sitting there at dinner and our fifth wheel, Ricky, I just want to keep saying fifth wheel, Ricky, but, um, we were sitting there and Justin Bieber in sync, Justin Timberlake. We were thinking about all these guys and it's like, Hey, we all want to have fun. We social media. Now we got, we let's do something. And so that was the whole purpose. The whole purpose was, was making fun of ourselves, but also having fun showing that we have personalities. We're not this boring golfer or slow golfer. As some people might say, Ben Crane is what? Yeah, um and very then deliberate exact, he's very deliberate he's, Papa. exactly he's very thoughtful um <laughs> and so that's really and then we threw um ben crane through um gosh hunter mayhem under the bus he said oh he's yeah. in and we're like don't yeah. we need to ask him they said no nah, we're good but i mean you know we made some money for some whales in africa so it was yeah. it was for charity it was some fun stuff and gosh i really do miss it i need it i need it in my life again
1: I freaking loved it. I mean, I thought it was hilarious. So yeah, please get the band back. To, let, literally let's bring the band back together and, and do that again. Y- you mentioned Tiger uh, a few moments ago. There are indications and reports like he may be getting back to potentially playing golf. What would it mean for you as a contemporary to see Tiger being able to compete again? It would be amazing. I mean, that's, that's, I wasn't
0: there with Jack Nicholas, but you know, it's a battle between who's the best of all time. Who's the, who's, did the best or had the best career. Um, I can only say Tiger Woods because I got to watch him in yeah. his heyday. But um, when I think about Tiger um, and coming back, I mean, it, he's just teaching us so much. Uh, athletes in general who get who get injured or hurt and come back and fight and be able to produce at a high level, forget winning, just produce at a high level, uh, being able to play on tour, uh, is an accomplishment in itself and an inspiring one. It's an inspiring story. And so I just want him to come back. I want him to come back as a – as a friend, uh, as a dad, um, uh, teaching his kids, uh, hard work and dedication. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, want him to come back. I don't want him to beat me. I want to keep beating him, yeah. but, but I want him definitely to come back though.
1: Yeah. That, uh, when he won the masters in 2019, I, I gotta tell you that that's one of my all time favorites, right? Like he had, you know, from everything that he had gone through, some of it obviously self-inflicted, but for him, for those that know what his body had been through, And for, for that to be the one time that he came from behind on a Sunday to win, like that, that one to me is one of my favorite memories I'll ever have watching any professional sport. 100%. I mean, this
0: is, this is, I was up in the champions. I was close. I bogeyed the last two holes. I was like one off the lead. Um, After 16, he was, I think he was about to tee off number 10. And so I was one off the lead. I just made a couple of birdies. And then I went thinking about that. I went bogey, bogey. So I threw up on myself, but But um, I think I finished 11th, but I was in champions locker room and I was like, man, we got to go down there. Like, you know, there's a few champions in there. And so I was like, we got to go down there. So we went down there and don't tell anybody though, but I snuck a photo. He's walking down with his, with his kids and all his entourage and the thousands and thousands of people. I got my phone up and I, so I've got a video of him walking towards me. um, That I have. Um, But yeah, I mean, we're talking about one of the iconic moments in sports uh, comebacks. I mean, I mean, this is, it's one of the greats, and then to give him a hug right there before he signs a scorecard and see his family, man, what a what a treat that was! To, that I was, I made the cut, so I could be there on that Sunday. So it yeah. was, uh,
1: it was a special moment for sure. It certainly was. A way to way to get that ninja video nicely done on your part. Um, <laughs> exactly, that, that was well done. Okay, speaking of getting when you it have done, a, when, you yeah, have right. jacket, hey, when you have a green
0: jacket, when you have a green jacket on though, you're allowed to kind of do some other things. So, I so I got that, lucky yes. there.
1: Yeah, the rules are maybe a little different if you're wearing the right shade of jacket at Augusta, no question. Speaking of getting it done, is this the year that the Georgia Bulldogs get it done on the football field? Oh my gosh, I hope so.
0: I've already been I've already trying to figure out how I can position myself to get a ring, and I need a ring. I need a championship ring um just to say I was part of the part of the team, you know, um but yeah, I just their defense looks so good. Again, like any team injuries can play a key role right. here, but that number that number 99 in the middle Mr. Davis, I call yeah. it Mr. Davis. He's a yeah. big man and fast and agile. I mean, it's a, it's special to watch that defense. Don't get me wrong. The offense has been phenomenal as well, but that yeah. defense, everybody wants to see it.
1: No, they are incredible. He's a full-grown man. There's no question about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, how much do you and Harris talk about that kind of stuff when you guys are on tour? We all talk
0: about it. I mean, there's what? Yeah. There's like nine of us now on It's tour. crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Georgia's taken over, um, and so yeah, it's fun. Uh, you got Brian Harmon that's been out there for years. But me and him talk a lot, um, being two lefties, so we're already different anyway. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a bunch of guys um, that we get to talk about it and we get to watch. Like we yeah. when we're in the locker room or we're in the lunch room at the golf course, and and Georgia football is on, you know, we have the most votes, so we can change to ours and not watch the other team. <laughs> so it's perfect.
1: Majority rules, man. That's the way it goes. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Well, listen, it would be a lot of fun to see uh, Kirby and company uh, pull that off this year. It's been a lot of fun watching your career. And listen, I I think one of the things that's really important coming through in this conversation in the book is it's okay to be different. It's okay to have fun. Like life is hard. Life is stressful. It's going to literally eat you up. So you might as well enjoy it when you can, right? Yes, 100%. I, if I'm not having fun, then
0: obviously there's something going on. So I've got to, I've got to smile. My wife always says smile more. And so I got to, I got to learn how to smile more, especially inside the ropes when there's pressure trying to play good
1: golf. Yeah. Well, listen, Bubba, uh, I've enjoyed your career. The book is fabulous. Everybody, please check it out. And I appreciate your honesty and open it up about things because, you know, I've talked to a lot of athletes over the last couple of years and, and there's a recurring themes like people need to know that it's not what you see. There's a whole other thing behind it. So, uh, you know, kudos to you uh, for putting that out there. And I hope the book does really well for you.
0: No, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me.
1: So once again, thanks to Bubba Watson for joining us. Who knows, by the time the Masters rolls around in 2022, maybe he'll add a third green jacket to his wardrobe. But coming up next, we're closing out Season 5 with a player who invented something that is now the staple for defensive play in the NFL, punching that ball out and creating a fumble. Longtime Bears defensive back Charles Peanut Tillman. We'll see you then.